Happy Easter and blessed Resurrection Sunday to you. Listen, if you are a believer, just simply say with me, Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. And if you're our first, if you're joining us for the very first time, that's a big deal. I want to just say a word of welcome. And I hope you have already started to experience the first gift of this moment, which is you're watching me with tons of other people near and far uh, around the country and beyond. And what that means is as we struggle through this pandemic together, you are not alone. We're in this together. And here at NBCC, we're so delighted to extend our arms of love around you and yours. Let's pray. God, I'm asking you to do something unique and special as we celebrate the resurrection of your son today. Reveal yourself in power and in love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There's two passages of scripture that I want to simply share with you this uh, today to really capture our moment. The first comes from Matthew uh, chapter 24, verses 45, chapter 27, excuse me, verses 45 and 46. And the other one is Mark chapter 16, verse 6 and 7. Matthew is an eyewitness of Jesus. And uh, here's what he shares about Jesus being on the cross. At noon, darkness came across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus shouts out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani, which means, my God, my God. Why have you abandoned me? Then on Sunday morning, a few days later, after Jesus has been buried, the women show up at the tomb. The stone is rolled away and they go in. There's a young man there. Mark picks up the story. Here's what he says. Do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See where they laid him? But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you into Galilee and there you will find him just as he told you. And there ends the reading. You know, I suspect you're kind of like me. I never in a thousand years thought that I would find myself living through a pandemic. I, I never imagined uh, the NBA season not finishing out the finals. I never imagined not being able to go to any restaurant of my choice anytime I got ready. I, I never imagined going to a grocery store down the street from my house and finding that they're rationing the eggs. You can only get one cart. I mean, that really just like trips me out. And then, as I'm talking to my staff and my team and family members, as more and more people are getting sick and more and more people are dying, I'm, I'm just more aware 
that I'm connected to people who have uh, been tested positive, fighting for their lives, either directly or indirectly. And I don't know about you, but it just feels like it's getting closer and closer and closer. And the news and all that comes at us from the news. I just can't believe. I mean, can you believe? I can't believe this is where we are in America, the richest country in the world with all of our power that somehow we can't resolve this. And yet this is exactly where we are, which is a reminder that there are some things in life that military might, economic power, your charisma and my influence just isn't enough. And I'm sure some of you are asking the question, where is God? (laughs) Be truthful. It's a question that we all ask, including preachers like me from time to time. I want to share with you another time when I was asking some of the questions that is familiar to all of us now. It's about. Ten years ago, and I was finishing up my tenure, which was a glorious tenure at the historic Roxbury Presbyterian Church, serving some of the most incredible people of faith that I've ever experienced, the people of that church. And I had been there for 17 and a half years. And guys, we had seen some remarkable miracles over that time. I mean, early on. I remember one of the young ladies, 18 years old, was stricken with a virus that attacked her heart. The doctor said she had only 24 hours left to live. Me and a group of us gathered around her bed and we prayed. It felt like heaven came. And you know what? A week later, she walked out of the hospital. Two decades later, she is still alive now. Uh, Miracles like uh, reaching out and adopting the school that was about to be Uh, closed down and folks said that there was nothing we could do about it. But when it was all said and done, we helped to transform that school into the first STEM school in the state of Massachusetts, located in one of the most underserved communities in Boston. And now it sits in a $70 million state-of-the-art building. And the church led that effort. I'm talking about miracles. We, we got to lead the effort to help win near universal health care when people said it would never happen. And we were out in front. This remarkable community, Roxbury Presbyterian Church, we knew about the hand of God and miracles. And yet, my last 12 months as pastor could best be described by the words of verse 45 that Matthew wrote. At noon, when the sun should be at its highest, when the light should be at its brightest, at noon, darkness came across the whole land. I suspect some of you are feeling that way, reading about what's going on in New York, dealing with what's happening around you, that it feels like darkness has come across the whole land. And that's exactly how I felt. Here's why. In about a 12-month period of time, I either preached or presided over 25 funerals. Most of the people I knew. Part of it was the result of a surge of violence that swept through Roxbury, taking young, young men of color between 15 and 27 years, just cutting them down. I'll never forget one night, 1 o'clock in the morning. On a Sunday morning, I got a call from a mother who said to me, 
my son is dead. And one of the most painful moments in my life was to stand in the, in the hospital with her as she identified her 21-year-old son who I had known and loved since he was eight or nine years old. Uh, my beloved dear friend and elder Betty Holt who surrounded me and Rhonda with incredible love and prayer for the entire 17 and a half years and at the very end, cancer returned to her that she had escaped for 20 years and took her. I, I remember the, the, the night before she died, I was talking to her and I told her I, I thought I was going to accept an offer to become a pastor of a church in California. She looked at me with a smile and she says, well, you know, Rev, I've always told you that when you go, I go. And within 24 hours, she was gone. Just left me in a Deep depression, guys. Darkness was on the face of my land. I didn't want to eat. I got disconnected from the phone. I, uh, my wife couldn't help me. My, 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 my influence couldn't help me. I was just, just groping. God, where are you in the midst of this? Out of all the miracles, I couldn't find him in that moment. And I ended up in a Good Friday service and, and the songs were singing, but I couldn't really connect because I was numb emotionally and spiritually. Perhaps some of you are listening to me. You're numb emotionally and spiritually now. And, and, and all I remember is the preacher got up and he read from Matthew 27. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land. And Jesus she called out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And it's in that very moment I begin to find a little hope in the relatability between Jesus and myself. You see, while we were separated by tons of historical periods, Metaphorically, Jesus was standing exactly where I was and exactly where we are right now. You know, I talked to you at the beginning about how unfamiliar this feeling is. But do you know that Jesus, the son of God who existed from all eternity to be stressed out on that cross being crucified? Uh, that was that was an unfamiliar place for him. And he found himself struggling. And, and part of how he, he expressed his struggles, he reached back to Psalms 22. Out of all of the various scriptures he could have called to mind, it's Psalms 22 that he calls to mind that he actually quotes. And as he quotes that psalm, he, he reveals what I think is certainly a dilemma, particularly for people of faith. On the one hand, he says, my God, my God, why hast thou abandoned me? He's talking to his father and he's saying, in the midst of torture and pain and death, I feel like you have abandoned me. But on the other hand, notice the personal pronoun. He doesn't just simply say, God, God, why have you abandoned me? He says, my God, my God. In other words, it feels to me like you have abandoned me, but I know too much about you, Father, to abandon that was exactly where I was. That's exactly where I think some of us are today. Listen, if you go back and listen to my message from last weekend, you'll see me walk through miracle after miracle after miracle that rolled all the way into my days of Boston and and, 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 and in the midst of all that death and I'm, my inability to find God, I, I found that I was in a situation 
where I didn't have the luxury to deny the existence of God. I knew too much about him. I, I, I didn't have the luxury of being able to say that the God of the universe was not a God of love, was not a God of grace, and it was not a God of mercy. My entire life was evidence that he was that kind of good. So on the one hand, I was trapped by what I knew about God. And on the other hand, I was tortured by what I couldn't understand. Why did Betty have to die? Why did that young man have to lose his life? Why was people still, where were you, God? In the struggle. You know, I understood, but I didn't really understand. In other words, as a Jesus follower, I could give you the theological understanding of, of where death, why death, and the, the philosophical framework for human suffering. I, I could explain to you the theology, which is simply this, that, that when God laid out creation and brought it into being, he, 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 he gave birth to it with freedom worked into it. And when creation does not operate the way God designed it, things like viruses show up. It's true for humanity as well that, 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 that he also gave us free will. And, and when we do not operate the way God designed us, when, 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 when we no longer love with an unconditional love, when, when we are no longer able to disagree without demonizing, that in that gap, hatred is born. And whether you're talking about gang warfare or fighting between two parties or nuclear war between two nations, we threaten our own existence. I, I could explain that to you intellectually, but the experience of losing people that I love, the encroaching nature of fear, my heart couldn't comprehend it. But in that relatability, that place of finding that Jesus understood, a little hope. And then after I got home from that service, I kept reflecting on it over the years. I reflected on it and I found, I discovered a little bit more hope in the prayer that he prayed. You see, when he quoted the scripture, he was in dialogue with the father. And whenever you're in dialogue with, with the father, you're praying and when you listen to his prayer and you wait for a response from the father, it appears that the father actually does nothing. But I've kind of lived long enough to know that I think the response of the father was, as he stood in the shadows, weeping eyes, I think the response of the father was that, that he empowered his son with the strength that was needed to endure what remained. And in that moment, I learned just a little something about how to pray through a pandemic. I learned a little something about how to pray through those seasons when it looks like God is not available. That, 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 that it's okay for us to pray prayers. God, deliver me. But, but, but the ultimate prayer that we have to also learn to pray is God, strengthen me. God, God, give me the strength that I need to endure. Here we are sheltered in place uh, over the course of several weeks. And, and, and some of you, the prayer may be, God, strengthen me so that I don't eat all the ice cream in the house and, and all of the cakes in the house. And for somebody else, the prayer may be, God, I feel like I'm coming unglued mentally and, and I'm engaging in domestic violence. Give me the strength to, re to reframe and to find some help. The prayer, God, give me the strength to endure. Some of you need to pray the prayer. God, I need some strength. 
I prayed that prayer, and by the time Saturday got here, I was feeling like I could reconnect with life. I had some strength. I was getting a, a little bit encouraged about standing in the pulpit on that Easter Sunday morning. And I think about this. The reality of the coronavirus does not prove the absence of God. It simply demonstrates the presence of evil. For Jesus on that cross is a reminder of the presence of God in the face of evil. Some of you may be wondering, and let me hasten to say that, you know, Jesus is doing some work on the cross. Isaiah 53, 5 says that he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. And, and here's the point. I think some of you are probably listening to me now. Like all of us, you've got some regret. The, 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 in addition to that, there's some shame and some guilt that keeps tying you down. I just want you to understand that the work that Jesus was doing on the cross was making ultimate atonement for anyone who would put their faith in him. And when he says to you that you are forgiven, yes, you can hold on to the regret, but let go of the shame and guilt. He's paid the debt of justice for you. And then Isaiah says, by his stripes, we are healed. You know, I pray that scripture over people over the years, and some people got healed, some people didn't. But in reflection, I think he's talking about something deeper. It really reveals where my ultimate hope is. You know, when three o'clock came, Jesus cried out, and just a little while later, he, he died. I'm sure that his disciples felt the way we're often feeling right now. You know, Jesus was dead. Their Savior was dead. Mary's son was dead. James and Jesus' siblings' brother was dead. Hope had died. Injustice had overthrown justice. Life seemed to have been uprooted and, and, and defeated by death itself. Jesus was dead. A Sunday morning, after they had buried him, and Sunday morning, the ladies are coming try to figure out how to finish embalming his body and the stone was rolled away and he looked in and a little, little fella in there had an announcement it was the announcement that I made when I stood in the pulpit on Easter Sunday morning and it is the announcement that I make this morning in the, uh, today in the midst of, of this, this incredible pandemic that unsettles us all uh, the, 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 the young man said to them don't be alarmed in other words don't be unsettled you look for Jesus the Nazareth who was crucified he is risen what a word I had to speak to to those in Roxbury that that who had lost loved ones who had died in the Lord I was able to say he is risen and here is our faith Jesus says I am the resurrection and the life whoever believes in me will live even after death and because Jesus rules Betty will rise Corey will rise and the list goes on. He lives. We will live. Death will be defeated. So I, I'm, I just want to announce to, from New York to California to Louisiana, where we're all struggling, where we're all feeling like we're being encroached by death. He is risen. And if we put our trust in him, he has the final word over death itself. 
Don't give in to despair. And lastly, the verse concludes this, and I particularly like this. The little fellow said to the ladies, he says, uh, go tell his disciples and Peter, who really messed up, and Peter, that he's going ahead of you, present tense, into Galilee, and there you will find him just as he told you. Here's the ultimate hope, guys. It's not in U.S. military. It's not in the power of the economy. It's not in your influence nor my influence. It is in the hope of the one who conquered death and got it with all authority of heaven and earth in his hands to know that he goes before me. I don't know what tomorrow will bring, but I just, I'm encouraged by, by, by that hymn that you heard uh, the folks sing just a few moments ago. Because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know who holds the future. And it's all because he lives. Put your trust in the one who holds the future. I want to invite you to just consider this if you will. I've been passing for 30 years. And I can tell you this, that at some point, we all will be surprised by our own mortality. Rarely have I experienced people who confronted death and they weren't surprised by it. And Easter is all about really us positioning ourselves by putting our trust in the one who actually conquered death, Jesus, so that whenever that day comes, which none of us can escape, that day will not have the last word on our lives, but his victory will have the last word. So I want to invite you. As we prepare to move forward into the future, and I'm confident that God will see us through it, to put your hand in the hand of the one who holds eternity, and that's Jesus. And I would encourage you to do so by simply praying this prayer with me. If you just lift your, put your hand out in front if you're willing to do it. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. You can pray it in your mind, but it's really a prayer of faith saying, God, I want to trust my, my life into the hands of the one who holds eternity, and that's Jesus. So as I pray, you can just follow as is appropriate for you. Jesus, I acknowledge your amazing love for me. In response, I surrender my life and future to you. Thank you for dying for me, for forgiving all my sins and saving me. Help me to put my ultimate hope in you. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time and you've made a faith commitment in the one who holds eternity, that's Jesus, I simply want you to go to our connection card. If you're on the website, it's attached to the uh, website or if you, you're inside of our app, just go to the next steps. And, and there's a, you can just simply check 
uh, I, I committed to follow Jesus for the very first time. And here's why I would want you to check it. Because if you check it, wherever you are in the world, we'll follow up with you to try to help you discern what's the next step you can take as you've launched this new life of faith. We don't want to leave you by yourself. Some of the rest of you, look at that second block which says, I reaffirm my faith today. Simply check that and we, we just celebrate with you that, that, that you reaffirmed your faith today in the one who holds the future. And then lastly, there may be some who say, well, you know, I'm not ready to make that decision right now, but I'd love to know more information. Just check that third category. We'll find a way to follow up with you. It's been a joy to celebrate Easter with you, the victory of life over death in Jesus. And I, I look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you.